Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody. It is Derek Van Ness here, your host on the Small Business Big Life podcast. And I'm excited today to be welcoming in uh, Lindsay Wander. She is going to talk with us about something that is near and dear to my heart related to education and uh, you know how important that can be. But also, how do you make a business out of that? How do you make success? And what are the things that she's got to share all of her experiences, gems, and things that can uh, help you? And most people listening probably have kids. And so this is a kind of a dual purpose episode to help you learn a little bit more about that too. So Lindsay, just really excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So can you give us the nutshell version of who Lindsay is, what you do uh, as a human being and business-wise? And, and I know you've got some other things outside the business going on. So maybe just tell us a little about yourself. Sure. Um, if we're talking about me as a human being, I, I tend to tell people I'm an undercover hippie. <laughs> um, I grew up in California and before that, you know, Colorado and Nevada. So my happy place is being outside, um, surrounded by furry animals and trees. And <laughs> this is where I'm happy. Um, but here I am now living in downtown Chicago. So it's kind of a, a funny dichotomy I have going on there. Um, I still find my ways to get outside and to, to reboot, but that's probably the best way to describe me as a person. And then in terms of business, I, I am and now embracing the term of an entrepreneur because I have two businesses now. Um, and I really fought that, that word for a long time. I, I think I had an idea of what an entrepreneur was and I didn't want to be someone who lost sight of what my original purpose was and maybe became too money driven. Mm-hmm. And then I started meeting people who are more social entrepreneurs and going, oh, okay, you can actually be a good person and be successful like this can happen. Um, so I'm embracing it. I'm embracing this term. So I am an entrepreneur who owns two businesses. I have a um, company called Worldwise Tutoring, which I started unofficially 10 years ago when I had no idea what I was doing. I say probably more officially about six years ago, I kind of got my act together. Um, and we work with students of all ages, all abilities, all subjects. And then about six months ago, I started a second business called Educate, Radiate, Elevate, which is a nonprofit. And it's giving our same high quality services to underserved students. Um, both of them are really dedicated to working on the underlying learning and life skills. So my whole point is to get the students off of tutoring, to empower them, to be able to manage their own learning. So we work on a lot of the deeper stuff that a lot of other companies don't touch, but it's it's funner and definitely we have better outputs that way. I love that you use the word funner because I use it all the time and people <laughs> tell me it's not a word, but I don't believe them. So whatever. Funner, funner is better. You heard it from a tutor. So I'm, we're going to go ahead and say that it's a real world word. 
Exactly, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and the website is worldwisetutoring.com, correct? Yes. And then the other one is educateradiateelevate.org for the nonprofit. Perfect. Okay. So .org. Don't miss that, folks. Well, well, very good. So I always like to sh- start the show by asking you, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to someone starting a business or who wants to start a business or who has a business and look, is looking to grow, uh, what's been shared with you or what would you share with them that's been uh, super powerful? I still think the best advice I ever got was maybe in that beginning, I think it was that second or third year where I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had a friend of mine say, you are working seven days a week, (laughs) 12 hour days. You have to hire people. Cause at that point it was just me. I was the only tutor and her exact words were the first one you hire will be the hardest. And after that, you'll wonder why didn't I do this sooner? And I mean, it was so true. And the first was my hardest. I didn't really know what I was looking for in a person. It was hard to take a service-based business and and feel comfortable handing it to someone else because I wanted the quality to stay high. Um, You know, I didn't really know what it meant to bring on a staff and how that looked in terms of legalities and taxes. And so it was scary and it was hard. Um, but here I am now, that's about seven, six, seven years later, and I have 60 tutors in two different states. Um, and I'm so glad because, you know, I'm able to really focus more on the business and I guess kind of teaching the teachers. And I feel like now my impact of what we're doing has spread even further than it could have with just myself alone. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you couldn't do the work of 60 tutors. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I look at the hours we accomplish in a month sometimes and just calculate it in my head to make myself feel better. Like, do you know how many, that would be 20 hours a day, Lindsay. That would be 40 hours a day. And I just, it makes me feel good that, you know, how far I've come. Yeah, that's, that's really exciting. And so this is definitely a thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, ask about and try and figure out. Maybe share with me now that you've hired 60 tutors along the way, how, how do you... How, what did you have to put in place or how did you figure out a way to to do that consistently and effectively? Because it's one thing to hire people. It's another thing to hire the right people. And it's a third thing to hire and train well so that even if the people aren't amazing when they start, they become amazing. So Agreed. Yeah. You know, when I work with my students, I'm really big about, yes, grades and test scores might get your foot in the door, but it's more about who you are as a person and the experiences you've had that makes you stand out. And, I, and I've really put that into practice with hiring as well. You know, I, I would like them to have a background in the subject that they're you know, able to tutor, but it's beyond just you have that degree or are you a teacher or a professor? You have to have um, qualities as a person that shows that you're willing to do more in our case than just sit there while a kid's doing homework. You know, we, we go so much deeper. And so I've gotten really good at looking at resumes and being able to kind of pull that out, that essence out, and then in further questioning and then interviewing and actually meeting with them, getting a better idea of what's their passion, what, what's their true intention, and making sure that their values are aligning with what are my core values as a business, mm-hmm. um, which is really empowering our students and, and not being a crutch, but being a coach for them. And that's hard for teachers to back up and, you know kind of let your students struggle and, you know, build resilience and therefore grow. But I I really want to make sure that our tutors are on board with that. Once I have them, then I want to 
make sure that I'm giving them resources and actual tangible tools. It's all fun to talk about, you know, in this like fluffy way. And they all are on board with agreeing that this needs to be done. But how can we do it? When you're working with someone with AP calculus, how can I also teach them mindfulness? You know, it can be done. It's, it, it is possible to be done, but I need to empower them with those tools. Mm-hmm. And the, the combination of bringing in the right, right people and giving them the right tools has been awesome. We've had some really good results. Yeah, I love that. Well, and if you've been able to, to replicate that over and over, I know it's probably a process that's been refined over time. Yeah. Then, then, you know, you're getting it right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big advocate of like hire for character and then train for skills because exactly, you, yeah, yeah, to try and teach someone to care, that's a 20 year project. To teach someone how to teach a topic might take a couple of months, right? Especially if they're teaching a lower level. So, yeah, I think uh, it's it's the innate stuff that's really important. And then, you know, having been a coach at one point in my life for a larger organization, having uh, the, per, the people who run the show empower you to really do what you believe is best and to trust you to make decisions that are sometimes hard calls because it is really hard when you're trying to have an impact to feel like I'm shackled to this curriculum or I have to do it exactly this way, even though it's not going to work with this student or this, in my case, educating you know business owners about finances. So I love that you're doing that. That's really cool. And I, and I try to build a relationship with my tutors from day one where they can come to me for support and advice. Um, and I'm not going to reprimand them or look down on them for that. You know, this is a collaborative effort. It does take a village and I'm happy to help, you know, provide them with, with access or advice of whatever they're struggling with. And I think that that's important too, having an open line of communication where it's okay to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. I've also been in an organization where the communication got cut off and it's so hard when you feel like you can't, because then what happens is people start being inauthentic and they're hiding things and the problems that are really springing up don't get there. And when they do, it's because there's a huge mess. Uh, I saw that happening from sort of from the inside of an organization I worked with and it was, it was really bad. I'd never been in that situation before. So kudos to you to be, you know, open and, and really keep that line of communication because if the people at the top don't advocate that it doesn't happen. Agreed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so tell me maybe as you've grown this thing, obviously you had your first couple of years where you were figuring it out, then you got serious about it. What do you think has been the biggest uh, hurdle or the most important thing you've been able to figure out along the way to help you guys be successful? Cause there's a lot of other tutors out there and you guys have been successful at it. What do you think has, has made the difference or the major turning points? Hmm. I'd say there's a combination of personal and professional. Um, Personally, I had to recognize and address the automatic negative self-talk that I've found running in my mind. Mm. Um, As a business owner, you know, we tend to take those lows very personally um, or any kind of struggle because we are so innately tied. I mean, it's literally our, our, who we are as people, these businesses we've created. And when things don't go well, it's, it's hard. <laughs> you take a yeah. real hit. And I started to develop some doubt and some worry about new ventures I would take on, which I never really have to deal with in other ways. And recognizing that, you know, recognizing what was happening, that it was, you know, old tapes from the past playing, catching it, 
you know, seeing it for what it is and then finding a way to decide, is this actually a warning, you know, that I should slow down and watch this? Or is this just something that doesn't serve me anymore? And I can negate it and go with my, my gut feeling or my intuition on this. And I've gotten better at that. I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it. I'm still working. Mm -hmm. It's a work in progress, but I do think that that was something that held me back for a long time. Um, Professionally, I I think that the big difference right now of why we're growing is our team. I, I, once I brought in the first tutor, then I brought in more and more, but now I'm developing an actual staff of Mm -hmm. people who have specific skills to do things that I guess technically I could do, but what would take me 10 hours, they can do in like 30 minutes and really well, and they like it. Um, And so it's worth the money to give to someone else, knowing that I can now do the typical phrase of instead of working in the business, I'm working on the business. Mm -hmm. And ever since I shifted that mindset of put that investment into someone else, create a job opportunity they actually love. So I can focus more on the things I'm good at and I love And even though it's scary because you're putting money in the beginning, you know, if you trust who it is you're bringing on, it actually multiplies your money. (laughs) So I'm making more um, by, in a sense, working less, even though that's not true. I'm working like crazy, but, you know, I'm working more on the business. Yeah. 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 I I think that's uh, really important because it does look like an expense, right? When you first do it. But if you can recalibrate that and say, oh, wait, this is actually an investment, so yeah, I'm putting money in, but it's going to produce more money out. Then all of a sudden it starts to make sense. But there's no question that your brain can see the expense because it's a for sure thing. Whereas the income may not be for sure. I mean, really, if you're hiring good people, it is, but it's it's hard yes. to see that, right? And I think we, that's the key. It has to be good people, you know? Sure, sure. I'm a I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and he he talks a lot about like when you hire the right people. He kind of said, if you put someone in a corner in a room and you tell them to walk to the opposite corner, if they're just like a robot and then you throw a chair in the middle, like they just stop at the chair. They don't, they don't know what to do. But if you empower good people to just, they understand the objective, which is to get to the other corner, you throw the chair in the way and they just walk around the chair and they keep going, right? They're able to problem solve and take ownership of things on their own. And if you have good people who can make those decisions, all of a sudden, every little chair that shows up doesn't derail your business. So, you know, we're kind of coming back to that common theme of just find really good people, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, if you come back to what, what are your core values as a business, it makes it easier to find those good people. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I work with a business coach and he is uber, uber successful and the very first thing he had me do was sit down and write out our core values and not just do that, but literally core values, slogans related to those, right? Mm-hmm. To build company culture and then bullet points of what that looks like. And then every single decision we make, every person we hire, we run through that filter. And, uh, and it's been amazing how helpful that is. And when you sit down with, a, with an employee on the first day, and you take them through the company values and show them why they were hired and how they're a fit and what you're up to and what you oh, stand yeah. for. Like, it's just transformative in the relationship. Yeah. They feel like, oh my gosh, I'm like part of something here instead of, yeah. oh yeah, I got this job and I have to do this thing. And also, you know, you see me for who I really am. You know, you see me beyond the surface. You see my, my essence, my values is kind of, I, I've gotten from my tutors that they feel that way. When I say I brought you on because you align with our values in this way, and they're like, I do, <laughs> you know, yeah. it feels good. 
it, it really does because they feel like they were selected because yes. they are these things. And of course, generally speaking, the values you have for your business are something that's, you know, pretty, pretty uh, lofty and, and yeah. esteem worthy. So very, very cool. So, um, so tell me what you've done to help yourself. Like, this is always the question people have, you know, how do, how do I stand out? How do I make myself unique within a market? Because there's a lot of people in the tutoring space. There's a lot of people in the education space. Um, what do you think you've been able to do? Because you can have great people, but if the, if the people on the other side of the screen or the phone or that you're talking to don't know that, because everybody says they're the best. Everybody says they care. Everybody says all these things. How have you been able to really uh, bring that to light in a way that that the end consumer, your clients, understand it? I really, and I, I know these are phrases people have heard before, but I really, really try to understand from day one when I started my business, what are their pain points here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that they're struggling with? And a lot of it when it comes to education is the lack of personalization, Um, our education system was developed during the industrial revolution, which go back to that robot, you know, um, example you gave, it's really just creating people who can do the same task over and over again. And it's just not working for our kids today. And I'm really, um, as a business trying to address what are those underlying issues that are causing it to not work. It's, it's, it is the system is broken. That's going to be hard to fix. We can't really address that. Let's work over here and help you to be able to manage this system and still mm-hmm. come out of this excited about learning, motivated, engaged, um, and, and in a way, being able to have tools that the next time you ench- encounter a challenge like a system that doesn't work, you're able mm-hmm. to creatively problem solve and still make make it work for you. And so that's really what it is in terms of it's not about the student's ability. Um, like all tutoring companies, of course, we're going to get them higher grades and higher scores. It's going to happen, but there's still, I want to, I don't want to treat the symptoms. There's something underneath that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And those are the, the soft skills, the deeper skills that just aren't really being taught. Um, and those are what we really focus on in our lessons of academics and enrichment and test prep. We deliberately intertwine that. And, and again, you know, I tell the families that come to me, my goal is to get your child, <laughs> or even if it's an adult, I, I want to get you to a point where you don't need us anymore. I really want to empower you. And um, I think that that feels good for them to know that we believe they're capable and we're going to keep working until we get them to a place where they are able to be more independent, but we're going to do that in a supportive, helpful way and not make them feel bad about the process. Yeah, I I can totally get that. And uh, it sounds simple in concept, I'm sure in, in reality, it's a little, little bit tricky, but yeah, I, I can totally see what you're saying. My mother's a teacher. And one of the things she does is she says, well, you know, we have to teach this core curriculum and whatever, but like when they're reading, she doesn't have the kids reading Dick and Jane, she has them reading history, right? So yeah. they're, they're getting the lessons of history and being tested on comprehension of history while they're learning how to read. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're getting to getting some deeper meaning out of the the rote part of it. And I loved what you said about teaching people to deal with the with the system, right? Once you understand the rules of the system, so many people, especially in today's world, are like, mm-hmm. the system's ruined, let's tear it down, let's rebuild it. I think people forget that this is the best anybody's been able to come up with in 2,000 years or 4,000 years or 6,000 mm-hmm. years. So we don't want to take that too lightly, but learning how to work within the system yes. and how do we 
how do we make the system work for us? How do we approach it in such a way that we get what we need out of it to be able to accomplish whatever our, our desires are? Because there is a lot available there. But if you just go into it like a robot, you don't really suck the, the juice out of it that you need to. So I, I, I love that you guys are helping people to work within that. Mm-hmm. Or go into it with thinking it's something outside of yourself. I think not only does that not really get you anywhere, but it's, it's not empowering. Um, it's nice to know that you, you can make the changes personally. You don't have to wait for these big paradigm shifts. Like you can actually in your own life um, from one moment to the next, make some major changes. Yeah. I call that the, you're going to laugh at me, but I call it the Oliver twist moment. And it's like, everybody's been like eating the gruel that they're fed through their whole life, right? Like, this is Mm -hmm. just what I eat. This is how my life is. And at some moment you stand up and you sort of go to life and say, I'd like, I'd like some more. I want something different. I want something better. Mm -hmm. And I think the moment that you make that approach and you're willing to go up and say, I want more, I deserve more. I don't know where it is or how it's going to show up, but I'm, I'm going to start searching for it. Then the whole game changes. Then you've totally. empowered yourself and taken control of your own life, even though life will still kick you in the teeth sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, you're, you're on a path to controlling your own destiny. And, and for better or worse, at least you're at the steering wheel, not just in the backseat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I love that. And I feel like schooling is the perfect time to do that because it's low stakes. Like, okay, you might get a bad grade on a test, but the lesson we've learned is so much more valuable, you know? So I would rather have people learn this at a younger age in a low stakes situation and be able to apply what they've learned later in life and find, you know, whatever their definition of success and joy is as a result. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. I've, I've always felt like that. And I wanted to bring up one other point that I thought you you brought forward that I think is super important. I kind of learned this from the book uh, Range, where he talks a lot. He talks in the book about how the educational system that that people are going through right now is designed to kind of help people along. And so, like the teacher's doing work on the board, and then when the kids don't get it, the teacher gives hints and makes it easier and easier and easier until they eventually get it but they've shown that that's actually counterproductive to learning like kids who struggle the worst and have the hardest time in the beginning and do eventually figure it out. They retain so much, so much higher. And there are other countries in our, in our world that teach that way. And it's just so much more effective. So I I love to hear that you guys are really letting people struggle with it as opposed to like gradually, like making it easier and easier and easier until people just get there just because it's a downhill roll. (laughs) Right. And, and, and kids, especially, they love figuring stuff out on their own. I mean, think of us as adults. Like if something breaks in your house and you go really quick to a YouTube video and you fix it, I mean, how cool is that? You did it on your own, you know? Yeah. It's the same thing with kids. And, and one of the things I heard a lot during the pandemic that the kids have liked is their words are, I like that I can't just raise my hand and get the answer, that I have to figure it out. Hmm. And I just, I'm like, thank you. This is what I've been telling people. And here they are, you know, vouching for that. It's, it, it, and it's, there's a difference between struggle and suffering, you know, like struggle is okay. It's okay to struggle. That's yeah. everyone struggles. That's how you grow. I heard a quote once that like, if you go to the gym and you don't have weight, how are you going to build muscle? Mm-hmm. You have to have a resistance in order to grow muscle. And I, and I think that's true of life too. You know, sometimes we got to struggle a little bit to grow. Yeah. Most of the people I know who are, who are friends of mine or people that I associate with who are high achievers and very successful, almost all of them 
continually put themselves in a position where they have to do hard things. I mean, that's, there's this big correlation, of course, between people who work out and, and take care of their bodies and people who are successful. And I think a lot of it is you go in every day. Like I used to, pre-pandemic, I was doing F45 every day. And I don't know if you know that workout, but mm-hmm. it is, it's crushing. I mean, it's 45 minutes of hardcore stuff. And I came out of there every single day doing more than I thought I could. I'd walk in yeah. and just be like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And at the end you do it. And I've just found that confidence comes from doing right. And when you do more than you think you can, all of a sudden you start to believe that you can do more. And it's mm-hmm. this, it's this really cool cycle. And you celebrate those small achievements. I think we're sometimes so focused on that end goal, like being done that we forget to acknowledge the little things along the way, you know, we're thinking I want to lose 50 pounds, but you just got through a 45 hell minute of hell workout. That's an achievement, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we really work with that with our students as well as, celebrate achievements, but also if, if maybe one day you didn't do the 45 minutes, stop and think, well, what happened? You know, what mm-hmm. was it? Cause I didn't sleep well because I didn't have my pre pre-workout, you know, and whatever it is, and then getting systems in place so that that's not a situation in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. So very cool that, that you're on that, uh, on that same path. And as entrepreneurs, listen, every single day, you know, you and I were talking before the, before the show, we're, busting our butts and working hard to build the business and help people. And if we, you know, the thing about business is there's no finish line, right? So we have to learn how to enjoy the path. I have a sign right over here in my office that says, let's say, enjoy the gift of ordinary days, right? Yeah. yeah. And just every day, just being glad that I get to do something that matters, just being glad that I get to talk with people like yourself and, share ideas and, and help make people's lives better. Even if I didn't make a ton of money that day, even if I didn't change the world that day, if I got to grow, if I got to help someone else grow, there's just so much value in that. And I have to remember that every day. That's something that I'm working on. Cause of course we've got the lofty mountaintop goals, but the way to the mountaintop is one step at a time. And I think if you don't enjoy the journey, you get to the top and you just kind of go, how did I get here? And it's, uh, or it's what's not- the next thing? What's the next peak I can get? Like we sometimes forget how many peaks we've already reached the top of. Yeah. Yeah. The problems I have right now are the problems I was wishing for two years ago. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's funny anyway. Well, so, so Lindsay, for, for people who, you know, like what you're up to, want to connect with you, find out more about uh, what you guys do with the tutoring or, Actually, tell us just a little bit more about the nonprofit. What's, you know, what's the difference there? How can, what do people need to know about that? One of the things that has driven me throughout this whole process is about educational equity. Um, And I feel like we have a pretty good handle on addressing, you know, different students of different abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've always had this nagging, what about the kids who are so capable and so um, promising but can't afford the extra help. Mm-hmm. And that's where the nonprofit comes from. Um, so we're still giving the same really high quality services, but to students who otherwise wouldn't be able to access it. And that means that the funding comes from grants and donations so that we can actually work with students um, and give them tutors who are you know more than just volunteers. So the money goes towards paying the tutors. Sure. Um, and yeah, so we're working, you know, primarily with underserved students in Illinois and Texas. They're K through 12. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very excited about it because I think it'll help address that achievement gap that really widened with these school closures. 
Yeah, it's funny this year, of course, this past year with equality and and just kind Mm -hmm. of becoming present to, you know, we always, at least I always suspected how unequal the playing field is, but being a white male, Mm -hmm. like I'm kind of at the top of the mountain, you know, maybe part of the problem and not even knowing that. Um, But I, I, I had, I've had a lot of thoughts about this. And I think the one thing that we can't equalize that would really equalize the playing field is, is parents, right? If we could give everybody great parents and unfortunately not every Mm -hmm. parent is designed to be a great parent or their situations are difficult. But I think with what you're doing, we can really help sort of fill the gap for those parents, especially Mm -hmm. the ones that are struggling, have their own stuff going on to give their kids a chance because I'm sure the parents would want to, but the reason most of them aren't able to is they're doing the best they can. And so I Mm -hmm. think what you're really doing here is, is, you know, taking people who are born into difficult situations and, and giving them a little bit more equal playing field. So that's super cool. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like the educational equity in this country is something that's a big, a <laughs> big thing that needs to be addressed. I think you're right. People have been aware of it. Like, wait a minute, there's not internet in some neighborhoods, like little things like that has just been crazy to people. And it's like, yeah, there, there is not equal access to high quality education across this country. So that's really what the nonprofit is about, is um, helping them to have a, a more fair chance. Yeah. Well, I just look at even um, we, a lot of the financial stuff we do, one of my best friends did a lot of research on like, what did the Rockefellers do? What do these, you know, these mm-hmm. super uber wealthy do? What happens when you sit down in a meeting with a, with a family foundation where, you know, they're serving people who are worth 50 million plus net worth. And all of a sudden you realize like, like I've been taught this much, but there's like so much more to it mm-hmm. and, and the mindset of it and the way that they approach things and the way that they think about things. It's not that it's hard. It's not any harder. They're just being taught a different thing. Yeah. Right. And so the people who of course are one, two, three tiers down from the education I may have received, like it's not that they're any less capable or whatever. They're just being Absolutely. taught a different thing. Right. And so mm-hmm we start to wake up to the fact that most of us as human beings, we're, we're highly programmable, right? Like the world programs us, our parents program us, our teachers program us. And so being in a position where uh, the world can give us a better programming just as a baseline, just changes the whole game for everybody. So I'm, Absolutely. I'm just really excited that you're a part of that. And I, I get Thank really you. passionate about this because I have some friends who are doing similar things in San Diego and yeah, I just love it. Thank you. I, I love it too. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us again how people can connect with you and the, the nonprofit, your, your tutoring company and, and so forth. So I would say the best place to start is to go to the websites. Um, Worldwise with an S, worldwisetutoring.com. That's the one where we work with students of all ages and all subjects. Literally, we have two-year-olds and people in their 60s, (laughs) so all ages, all subjects. Um, The nonprofit is educateradiateelevate.org, or if that's annoying, you could do Mm eretutoring.org, and that's specifically um, with the purpose of helping underserved K-12 through students, so kindergarten through 12th graders. Um, In both locations, you'll have links to our social media where I give out, you know, a ton of free resources and tips and events and, you know, all kinds of things that help parents and students and educators. So I encourage people to also follow us on social media for the latest news. Very, very cool. So one thing that I didn't tell you about that I always do on the show is to uh, 
give you 30, 60, 90 seconds to say anything that you want to say, whether it's related to what we're talking about or something totally off in left field. But for the people who are out there listening, what what is it that you feel like you'd like to say, Lindsay? I'll say something that's from my personal experience and has addressed or become a part of my professional as well. Know who to go to for what advice (laughs) and guidance. Um, In the beginning, I had kind of certain people I would go to, and I found that while it was well-meaning, they were often projecting their own doubts and worries and fears onto me. And then it would make me wonder, am I doing the right thing? Luckily, I would catch myself and go, yes, you are. Ignore them and do the right, do what I was going to do anyway. But it did cause a little bit of unrest. Now I've gotten better at knowing, okay, when I need advice for this, I go here. When I need advice for this, I go here. And it's not that they're going to tell me what I want to hear, but I know that I trust what they're going to say to me has to do with me (laughs) and not with whatever they have going on. Um, And I think that's been instrumental in my personal and my professional life. Great advice. Very, very great advice. Um, I know that I have to go to people who are smarter than me and better than me in, in certain areas for advice. So oh, yeah. and it's been transformative because if I'm the smartest per- person in the room, you know, that doesn't do me much good. Agreed. Uh, so, well, fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you taking some time today. Love the work that you're up to. I'm really passionate about education and, and helping people to have at least a fair shake at life. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I just think that we need more of that. So, Mm -hmm. I I just appreciate you taking some time sharing your experiences and the things that you're up to in the world with us and the listeners. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm happy to share. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Venes, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.